Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Real Estate Red Zone, brought to you by the Texas Real Estate Research Center at Texas A&M University. I'm Haley Reeder, Communications Specialist. Today is Wednesday, October 13th, 2021. On this day in 1845, the voters of the Republic of Texas approved an ordinance to accept annexation by a vote of 4,245 to 257. They also adopted the proposed state constitution by a vote of 4,174 to 312. The annexation of Texas to the United States had been a topic of political and diplomatic discussions since the Louisiana Purchase in 1803. Although most Texans had been in favor of annexation and had voted for it as early as 1836, constitutional issues, fear of war with Mexico, and the controversy of adding another slave state to the Union prevented the acceptance of annexation by the United States until 1845. Now on to today's podcast. The third quarter of 2021 was quite a mixed bag. While economic conditions in Texas for the most part improved, new COVID-19 cases remained elevated, prolonging uncertainty surrounding the end of the pandemic. With third quarter data on the way, I'm joined by Center Research Economist Dr. Jim Gaines to discuss the preliminary results of the quarter and the outlook for the fourth quarter and beyond. Thanks for being here. Yeah, my pleasure. My pleasure. Based on the preliminary data, how did the Texas economy as a whole fare in the third quarter of 2021? Well, uh, first of all, let me say it's been, uh, we don't have the full picture of third quarter yet. Still a little early for that. And I know that always uh, upsets some people, but (laughs) we just don't get all of the data uh, collected and get it reported. But it does look like from the preliminary numbers that are coming by that, that Texas has fared pretty well. Uh, we've still been adding jobs. People are still going to work. Uh, they're making money and they're spending money, which is important to get out and, and do things. Obviously, a lot of things have reopened that were shut down at, uh, last year mm-hmm. and maybe earlier in this year. So we're, we're beginning to see that uh, we're seeing that light at the end of the tunnel they called recovery. And we just hope it's not a train coming at us. Right. But, uh, but it does look good. So the third quarter has been, has been reasonably good. Now, the thing that hurt the third quarter, of course, was the Delta variant on the COVID coming in in about uh, mid-July. And statistically, uh, up until about mid-August or late August, uh, maybe even early September, depending on how you read the data, that the, the cases and the deaths and so forth were still increasing. And in fact, many, many areas around the state are still reporting a very high number of cases and very high uh, number of deaths and hospitalizations. We're seeing that it seems to be kind of localized. It's not completely universal around the state. I can tell you statistically, there has been a, a turn in the trend line for the number of reported cases where it's trended, it's turned and now trending down, mm-hmm. the, the, the wish, and I'm knocking on yeah. wood, you can hear my <laughs> knock on the wood. The hope is that that trend will continue and it, it'll come back down. But the Delta variant very, very clearly had a big impact. Now, when I say the third quarter did well, it didn't do as well as what we had hoped it was going to do when we started the year. We mm-hmm. thought the second half of this year was going to be the real recovery. 
we knew that the first quarter uh, was prior to the vaccines, didn't really kick in until February, March, when the when the vaccine program started, and that was that was the whole nutshell. We had to get the pandemic under control. We had to get the COVID under control. So we get the vaccine started, and statistically, I can tell you, uh, if you look at the charts, we went down, and by late June and early July, the number of reported cases, the number of reported deaths, etc., the impact of the pandemic appeared to be really coming way down almost to pre-pandemic health levels, mm-hmm. and then the Delta hit, and it, and it jumped back up again. So as a result... Uh, the third quarter where we had anticipated a really, really strong recovery and strong growth, we didn't get the strength there. It was good, but it wasn't as good as what we had thought and hoped that it would be. How did the state's housing market perform so far in the third quarter? <laughs> now, the housing market is the exception. The housing market is still extraordinarily strong. It's still extraordinarily tight in terms of supply-demand balance, Uh You've heard me say this here before, and anybody who's been reading our reports coming out of the center knows that what we've been preaching and explaining all along is we've got very high demand for housing, both rental and owner, uh, and very limited inventory, particularly in the home buying market if you're trying to buy a home. And with that imbalance, and it's it's not just a little bit of imbalance, it's a lot of imbalance. Um, one of our standard measures is months of inventory of available listings. And, and our benchmark there is roughly six months. If, the, if we could clear that inventory out in six months, that's quote unquote a balanced market. Uh, we've been running at around less than one and a half. And, wow. and in, in many of our markets, some of our markets, Austin, for example, has been even less than one which in Aggie speak means we ain't got none. <laughs> and, and the trouble is when you have that magnitude of imbalance of demand, and the strong demand is continuing, people and jobs, it's real simple, and low interest rates, which increases the purchasing power. You can buy more house because the interest rates lower. So we're seeing that strong demand, low supply, and so we're, we're seeing consistently very high reports of increases in average and median prices. And even our repeat sales index, which we report here at the center on a monthly basis for the four major metropolitan markets, even the repeat sales index is an, is an excess of 10%. It's about 13 14%, much like the Case-Shiller report, FHFA, the other national studies that do repeat sales. It's the same house selling again and then computing the, um, the implied rate of appreciation rather than just arithmetic uh, means and medians. Mm-hmm. And so that's been way up. Now, what we are seeing, though, in this quarter, we are seeing a little bit more return this year that we didn't have last year to seasonality. The, the, the summer peak, the fall fall off, uh, we're anticipating hopefully the winter demand will be down a little bit. But even then, it's relative. It, it doesn't look like the shifts that happen on the seasonal basis are as big shifts as what we've experienced over the last 20 years mm-hmm. on an annual basis. Last year, we didn't get it at all. And that's one reason why any kind of comparison right now this year to last year is kind of thrown off because last year, 
was such a screwy year. Yeah. We, we don't we don't look mm-hmm. at. So I've been looking at comparing everything to 2019, the pre-pandemic year. We're running way ahead of that. We're running ahead of it each quarter, each month, uh, and so forth. But we are beginning to see just a little bit of slowdown in the pace of sales. And mainly it's because of inventory. Yeah. <laughs> there just didn't there just aren't products to sell. And so the pace of sales may may come down, but it's it's still very strong, very tight market. The other thing that's uh interesting about the housing market this go-round, uh, it's not having the uplifting effect that traditionally it has. When we've had recessions in the United States before, it's been interesting if you track it as we do here. Mm-hmm. The housing market is generally one of the first industries to go into recession, but it's also one of the first to come out. So it's first in and first out. And generally because the housing market is so important and structurally strong, particularly the new home construction market, it tends to lift the rest of the economy up. We haven't seen that lifting effect mm-hmm. here this go around because not only the Texas housing market strong, the national housing market is also strong. So we had expected that. That was one reason we thought the third quarter would be a little better th- mm-hmm. than it's been because construction is still going and is very strong. But that it just hasn't had that same uh, effect that we historically have seen. The economy has been at least partially reopened for quite a while now, but the state still needs to gain around 200,000 jobs to return to pre-pandemic levels. What needs to happen before the Texas economy is considered fully recovered? Uh, that's a good question. Fully recovered is, is, is uh, you hear that bandied about a lot. Mm-hmm. We have generally been looking at it as get employment Get the number of people and the number of jobs. And remember, employment is measured two different ways. How many people are working and how many jobs are out there available. And it's two different counts. And 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 they're close. They're very close, but they're not exactly the same thing. Because some people have more than one job. Some jobs have more than one person because they may have multiple shifts, those kinds of things. But recovery is generally going to be, we're going to be considered recovered Uh, when we get back to the pre-pandemic level of employment. We've been using as our standard for that February of 2020. Mm -hmm. The pandemic really hit in March. So we looked at, we're looking at employment level. Texas had about 13 and a half million jobs. And we're we're now back up. We're about 96, 97% of the way back there. We had this big drop off in April of 2020. Nationally, almost 21 million people. In the state, it was like four or five million people uh, lost. Jobs were lost. Mm-hmm. It bounced back very quickly in June, July of 20, about halfway. If you think of a ball dropping and bouncing back up, mm-hmm. rebounding, we rebounded about 50% or a little more, maybe 60%. But since then, since last July, the, the growth rate has been at a more uh, even keel and with ups and downs. It, it's been up and down on different months for different reasons. So we're we're seeing that coming back. 200,000 out of the several million that we lost is pretty close. Yes. And in fact, we're anticipating here at the center, our economic outlook is that probably by the end of the year, when we tally everything up and do an annual <laughs> uh, total and compare it, 
uh, will probably be up somewhere in the neighborhood of five or six percent over last year. Now, don't remember, 2020 was way down. Yeah. So that's a that sounds like a high growth rate. It really isn't uh, when you compare it to 2019, mm -hmm. which would be our pre-pandemic standard. And we think though we'll we we'll be slightly ahead of it. We'll 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 get there and be just a little bit ahead of 2019. That's that's our expectation right now. We've we still got two or three months to go. The the growth rate has been sluggish here because of the Delta variant. Uh, there have been some more people uh, that have not gone back to work. Uh, there are jobs that are not reopening, uh, being reestablished, if you will, because of the Delta variant. Mm -hmm. And we just have to wait and see how that's all going to wash out. I think if we, even if we don't get back up exactly to 2019 level, we'll be pretty doggone close. Yeah. And, and, but it'll mean that it'll, it's been two years. Yeah. Okay. From mm -hmm. where we left off in 2019, it's been almost two years to get back to that level, to even think about getting ahead again. And there, knock wood again. Let's hope they're in another gamma variant or a yama variant, <laughs> lambda variant, whatever Greek letter they're going to put in front of it the next time around, as opposed to Delta. And 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 the the vaccine pro the vaccination program has helped a lot. I know that uh, uh, report here this week that uh, Merck is coming kind of come out with a pill. That's if you get COVID, it's a pill to help keep it from being so severe and so forth, which will get the death rate down. Uh, Again, you you asked me what constitutes recovery, mm -hmm. and everything is still pretty much hinged on getting the COVID under control. Statistically, from an econ economics point of view, it's the jobs, but it's still healthcare and getting the, the COVID under control. What should we expect going into the fourth quarter and even into 2022? Well, I was leading into that. Yes. I, I, I kind of <laughs> did that. If if the trend and the Delta variant is holds up and, and the trend right now looks like it's turning down in terms of new cases, I don't think the death rate, the number of deaths, not the rate, but the number of deaths, I don't think that's actually turned over yet. But as the cases turn and become fewer, then it logically follows the, the death uh, count will, will follow as well. And the hospitalization, the ICU beds being occupied and mm -hmm. all of the other standard statistics. So I guess to answer the question is, we're hoping that that trend continues. We're hoping that this Delta variant uh, impact will, will have proved out to be relatively short term, severe, but short term. And that by fourth quarter, things will be even better yet. We Again, it probably won't be as good a fourth quarter as what we originally thought. I can tell you for the whole year, we were anticipating at the beginning of the, uh, at the beginning of the year when we knew the vaccine program was going to come into play and then we'd have recovery. We knew it was going to take all year to get all this done. But we were expecting, for example, GDP growth rate to be somewhere maybe between seven and a half, eight and a half percent wide range there. That's that's a big range. Mm -hmm. But somewhere in that order of magnitude, call it 8% just to split the difference. Uh, given the, the Delta and the slowdown in third quarter, probably fourth quarter won't be as good as what we had hoped it would be. We're probably now looking at six and a half to 7% GDP growth for the year. Mm -hmm. Still be good, still be positive. So it'll it'll reflect better times, yeah. but it just probably won't be 
quite as good as what we thought. Housing market's going to continue. 2022, assuming that we go in, Delta variant gets taken care of. Uh, we get boosters for the vaccine, whatever it takes, but to get we keep people healthy. And, and the pandemic kind of runs its course, if you will. And I don't think that'll happen overnight. I think that may take some period of time. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it may be toward the middle of 2022, third quarter 2022, before we really and truly say, okay, yeah, we've, we've recovered here and now it's all forward and, and upward sloping. So 2022 will be an interesting year. Uh, Fed policy, monetary policy, interest rates, all are expected to go up. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a matter of magnitude, though. If, if we go like home rates right now are still at 3% or a little less for the, for the housing market, I, I'd, I'd be real surprised if it went up more than 100 basis points, it would go up to 4%. Mm -hmm. It's theoretically possible it could do better than that, more than that. I don't want to call it better. It could do more than that. Uh, it's also possible that it, it could more or less stay in the three, three and a half range. Again, depending on what Fed policy. We've got a number of tax issues that are kind of going to come up in 2022. Uh, and that, the fiscal policies, all of the stimulus programs will have obviously given out. So all of the extra uh, stimulus checks and the extra unemployment compensation and so forth will have run its course. We're going to see some issues in the housing market as the forbearance programs and the uh, eviction moratoriums give out completely. And there, there'll be a few months of turmoil in there. It doesn't look like the numbers of the, the number, the sheer number uh, of events there is going to be enough or last long enough to have a significant dampening effect on the market. Mm -hmm. Unlike what we had back in 2007 and 8, when we had millions and millions of homes that were foreclosed on, we don't have that, this go around. There, so it's a, it, there is a marked difference. Well, thank you so much for coming on. You're yeah. welcome. Thanks again, Jim. For more, check out our 2021 Mid-Year Housing, Apartment, Commercial, and Economic Outlook reports. We posted a link to our three reports on our podcast webpage and in the YouTube description box. The Housing and Apartment reports were also featured in our Texas Real Estate Research Today video series. Check out the playlist by clicking the link below. To stay up to date on when new economic data is released, Subscribe to our Outlook for the Texas Economy Report. This monthly report provides a rundown of economic activity across the state and prospects for the economy. Read the latest report online now and subscribe to our email list to get future issues sent straight to your inbox. The Fall 2020 issue of TG Magazine is headed its way to you. To get the digital version before your hard copy hits your mailbox, subscribe to our email list. The digital version of TG includes everything you've come to love about our flagship publication in an easy-to-read, mobile-friendly format. The link to the email list as well as past issues of the magazine is on our podcast webpage. And while you're on our website, check out our research library. It includes a wide variety of research reports and articles. Latest topics include the new Quick Claim Bill, our weekly leading index, lesser-known real estate leasing tax tips, a Texas housing mid-year update, mortgage forbearance and repayment affordability, 
and more. The link is on our podcast webpage. That's going to be it for today's podcast. If you're looking for more from the Texas Real Estate Research Center, head to our website. That's www.recenter.tamu.edu. There, you'll find the latest data, research articles, blogs, news, and more. For more Texas real estate news, check out News Talk Texas, our daily news feed. You can also subscribe to Recon, our bi-weekly newsletter, to get all the biggest stories sent straight to your inbox every Tuesday and Friday. To stay up to date on when articles are published on our website, follow the Texas Real Estate Research Center on social media. You can find us with the handle at RECenterTX on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. For more podcasts like these, you can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or to our YouTube channel. All podcasts are also available for free on our website. Thanks for joining us today in the Real Estate Red Zone, brought to you by the Texas Real Estate Research Center in College Station, Texas, where we've been helping Texans make the best real estate decisions since 1971. This is Haley Reeder, and I'll see you next time. Bye.